On this episode, we recap another crazy week in college basketball. TV Ted gets canceled. We give out another green light player of the week, and we welcome ESPN college recruiting analyst Adam Finkelstein. Let's do it. Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. What is good, everybody? We are live from a freezing Long Island City. I can't take it anymore. I'm moving. Northeast is I'm not, out, man. I'm not cut out for Northeast. I've been out here like this bitch. three and a half years. You grew up here for Yeah, like, man. I don't I, know why. I don't yeah. know how you've, you've stayed. It's freaking parents. It's unbelievable. Yeah. This guy's got a New Orleans jersey on. New Orleans just uh, advanced. Who that? Who that? Let's go to NOLA. That yep. was a hell of a, hell, of a, hell of a summer that we had. Awesome. There. Awesome times. Um, what's up, guys? Hope you guys are doing well, and gals. Yeah. Uh, hope you guys are doing well. Um, we got a fantastic episode for you this week. Uh, it's going to be a short little recap, and then Adam Finkelstein is coming on the podcast, ESPN Recruiting Analyst. It's going to be awesome. Really looking forward to that. But before all of that goes on, is there... There's no dominant team in college basketball, man. My Dukies go down. We, UNC goes down thanks to your boys. MSU, we don't, uh, Michigan State loses. We don't make Xavier a, loses. We don't make a ton of predictions, but two of the predictions They've that all been we, wrong. we've made are Florida to the Final Four, which I was still yet to be seen. <laughs> but then I'm pretty seen. sure the last episode we said when Michigan, Michigan State came number one, we're like, <laughs> we yeah, did. they're going to be number one for a we long did. time. We did. Um, that's why we try and stay away from predictions. Yeah, um, we, do. we Because they are uh, – not the most fulfilling, at least on this side, but no, it's not I did good. not – I mean, start off with Michigan State. Jeez. You walked in the apartment, didn't I, I even realize in, didn't that it happened. Because um, I saw him play at Ohio State. I didn't even look. You know, I was like, oh, that's a dumb. What Chris Holtman's been doing, I mean, yeah, there seriously, shout is, out to Coach Holt. Shout out to him because I did not see this coming. I think last year is probably one of the most forgettable seasons in probably Ohio State basketball history. Yeah, um, and it was so weird how that all went down. But, and it's yeah. tough. And obviously, like, I mean, they are still Thad's guys that he's playing. I mean, they're – but. You the thing that you can't knock them for they are four and zero in the Big Ten right now. Hey. As as you look at it, it, wins over Michigan State, Iowa, Michigan, and Wisconsin already. Their four um, losses are all great losses. UNC, I mean, the only team they lost to are Gonzaga, UNC, Butler, and Clemson. I mean, yeah, um, maybe Clemson, but Clemson's, Clemson's good top this year. So there we like, go. It's not all bad, those man. teams are all of them are top fifty Ken Palm teams. Thirteen and four. Um, and Ooh. so they're only. I mean, so their worst loss is probably Butler in overtime. So Ohio State might be for real. Kata Bates Diop is a stud. He has so much. He's like I don't know if you've watched him that much. He has so much length and he causes a ton of different matchup problems because he can shoot over guys. He, they, I mean Caleb Weston. We were talking Caleb too. baby. For Shout out to Westerville big, South for a freshman big guy has so much touch and a feel for the game. Love his passing skills. Um, yeah, he's really good at passing when he gets in the post. And I, I was really just disappointed. Like yeah. I was just disappointed in Michigan State's defensive effort from what I saw. We talked about how good they are. I know you mentioned they, they the just paint. seemed kind of and out it of it. Right? Like, I mean, they were getting like Miles Bridges were getting lost on like a backdoor baseline cut. They're letting Stump guys just stuff. like cut right in the middle there, and 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 just basically Ohio State kind of did what they wanted. Um, Yo, this and, next practice for Michigan State's about to be brutal. Oh yeah, who brutal. do they have? Who do they have up next? He's gonna they, crush them. Oh, they play Rutgers at home Wednesday, so I would be scared. wait. Rutgers is home or. Michigan at Michigan State. Okay, okay. So, um, All right, so there you go. So that's, that's a nice little yeah. regroup game for them on Wednesday. But number, another number one is is down. Yeah. Um, Your boys beat UNC. 
Awesome. Great win. Great, Great win. win. Um, I think to- I said so- I saw his numbers. Tony Bennett is now seven and six over North Carolina uh, in his time at at Virginia, and they've won every game in Charlottesville since 2012. Wow. Um, so when you consider that, I mean, I wow. as a Virginia basketball fan, I, I always because I I know a lot of people hate Duke. I despise UNC a lot more. So that means a lot why more you and to I me. Get along, man. They're the defending national champs, and <laughs> and you protect home court, and especially Kyle Guy did not play well, but they got contributions from everybody else. Um, Roy Williams said it was one of the best defensive performances um, he's seen in a while. I think they average North Carolina was averaging 89 points a game, and UVA held them like 48. Dude, that's so that's all. Like, scared the that's hell. all you need to know. Yeah. Um, Virginia, I don't think they're the third best team in the country, but they're, way, gonna they're, be. they're about to be they're ranked that be. high. I mean, um, from a team that went was unranked to start the season, um, the strides they've made and the way they've been playing, um, it's been pretty, pretty, it's pretty, wild. pretty fun to watch. Yep. Go right down the road. Duke loses. We definitely didn't see that coming at all. Did not see um, that one coming. They just don't guard, man. And they we don't, don't even need to. We like honestly, like that's why they lose. They you don't give up guard. Not, them. You get like their two losses. They gave up eighty nine to Boston College, and they gave up ninety six to NC State. Like, it's wild. You know, like and they're they're literally just. They're. I'm not ready. They're not a live by the th- uh, live by the three die by the three team. They're no. not because Bagley is down there getting buckets. Yeah. And Wendell Carter, but. If they're not, if they don't hit eight, nine threes, like they, it doesn't counteract how bad they are on defense because they're crazy. so bad. On defense. It's crazy. It's Look crazy. at their numbers. Their efficiency numbers on offense: number one in the country, number one in offensive rebounding percentage, top twenty-five in turnover percentage. Like all the numbers there offensively, they're like all Fantastic. these numbers. They don't, they don't get blocked. They're like second in the country in like least amount of blocks they give up, and they don't turn the ball over that often. But yeah, then defensively. They don't turn the other team over. They're three hundred and fifth in turnover percentage defense. Yeah, um, so they sit in that zone. They sit in the zone. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not good. It's like it's, it is the anti-Virginia. I was like, you need a mix in there, but they have all the talent to put together. They have a their schedule. I mean, they play. Like another, here we go. Another after taking a loss, like Michigan State, they get Pittsburgh on Wednesday. So God, like, please let that, that could be. Yeah. Uh, it is a way. It's a nice. It is a way, but I mean Pittsburgh. That's a walkover yeah, game, you should, and that you can you regroup should. there and, and get on the right track um, before having to play like Miami. Um, but that's another blue blood. I mean, going down. Um, Gotta and then, give a shout out to my Friars. Yes, taking that big. Big win for that program, awesome. Man. I know that's what we asked on the Big. pod last week. So, what do you want to see? And the first thing came I to mind said, said, "I want the pri- the Friars to get a win let over them Xavier." Get one, and, and they uh, did it, dude. Cooley coaches like I mean, I don't <laughs> think nuts. I don't think people realize how good of a coach Ed Cooley is. Like, I think no, Cavs basketball don't. fans because like what he does. Obviously, they took a tough loss earlier in the week to Marquette. Um, I watched in overtime and watched yep. basically all of that. Great game. And they're Rousey only sitting off, at two. Right? And, well, Marcus Howard Marcus went off Howard and Rousey. Yep. Um, but they're two and two in the um, they're two and two in the Big East. They have a win though over now of a top five team in Xavier. Um, they go at DePaul wow, and they get Butler and Creighton. Like DePaul, weird. They have a tough stretch coming because I mean, the Big East. They go at they go Creighton at Villanova at Seton Hall at Marquette. Like. They Damn. need it. This is like this. I mean, this is your, at least a marquee a win. And, and the loss to Marquette at home is tough. You know, on the is, road, that's different. But at home, it's like, damn, you got to get that one. It is. So, I mean, they're sitting at 11-6. and six. They have a marquee win. They're in a tough conference. Yeah. I, th- I mean, that's a resume-building win that helps you once you get to March in the tournament. Uh, the selection plan he's looking at, yeah. all right, they beat Xavier. That's a, that's a marquee win. Obviously, hopefully, they'll have plenty of opportunities to keep getting wins like that. Yep. Um, so... Um, shout to to Providence and, and getting it done in the dunk. Yep, I'm um, happy for um, West Virginia beats Oklahoma. Dude, that was heck of a game. Awesome, awesome, awesome game. Um, First, I was Trey most Young excited. Wasn't spectacular. 
first game. And that he still, wasn't spectacular. Yeah. Not that he wasn't good. He wasn't spectacular. And that fair? I th- I, this thing's fully fair. And All the right. thing with me is Javon Carter, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he just stuck to him. It was like they, they did not want him touching the ball Somebody at else all. beat us. Somebody and else beat us. I, I tweeted out, honestly, I don't know if you watched it, but um, Javon Carter looks like he could be Trey Young's dad. Yo. He, Javon Carter looks like he's like a 38-year-old dude at the wreck and that's a, just going to show up and just bulldog guys and right. like... If you call a foul, he's, he's balding too. No, oh, he's fully yeah, bald. Fully but bald. He, like, but he keeps he's, it. Don't, he keep, yeah, he he's got like he's got the facial hair, but on top it's all gone. It's all gone. He looks like a guy if you play at the rec center and you called yeah, like, if he no, fouled you and no. you called foul, He'd be like, he nah, would bro. intimidate you like, nah, yeah, it's not nah, a foul, it's sorry, not ball checkup. Yeah, 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 like he and I love. I mean, here you go, here, take the ball. It's crazy, and obviously, like it's such a good comparison. It's why I didn't realize this till this week. I looked it up where his his recruiting offers were from out of out of high school. Because this guy that's already been first team All Defensive Big Ten his freshman sophomore junior year, he was a uh, second team All American last year in Javon Carter. His next best offer um, behind uh, behind West Virginia, West Virginia. I want to say it was like Toledo. He had no other like power five yeah. options. He's from Illinois. Um, Did Illinois offer? No offer. Uh, looking at him on twenty four seven, what I pull that up. It's something crazy. Like he only offered like mid majors. I can see like he was a three star, three star, three star kid, ranked twentieth in the state of Illinois, two hundred ninety ninth in the entire country. Um, His only offers are from compute. It's a bunch of Mac schools here. Looking at did I see Dartmouth, Akron, Dartmouth, Illinois State, Kent State, Lehigh, Toledo, Valpo, Wisconsin, Green Bay. Honestly, like your That's your best, your weirdest. next best offer is probably Akron. You'd say maybe. No wonder maybe he, Valpo, t- he took West like, Virginia in a heartbeat. That and then sense. from but it had an immediate impact from the jump. And, yeah. and like now for his senior season, West Virginia is rolling. They'll probably be number two in the country at, when the new polls come out. He's obviously the unquestioned leader of it. It's pretty. pretty and guess cool what? See. All those assistants, whoever found them on Akron, Dartmouth, Illinois State, they you guys deserve a shout out. Because they stole West Virginia stole them, but you guys saw something. So shout out to you guys. Yeah, for real. Um, Staying in the Big Twelve, um, yep. Texas A and M. What um, is going on in Aggie Land again? Yep. Um, which is tough because a lot of teams. Everyone recently was talking Final Four dark horse. I know, um, I know. The chance to win the uh, three in a row. And what am I talking? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said Big Twelve. They are in the SEC, which right now, like we said last week, is unreal. I mean, they lost. They have 0-3 in the SEC with losses to at Alabama, Florida at home, and LSU at home. But when you're 0-3 and two of those losses are at home, and then now you have to go on the road at Kentucky and at Tennessee, does not bode well for No, that's going to be an 0-5 and and start, great, like, it looks like. And you look at their numbers, like the opposite of Duke, they're great defensively, and they have a lot of guys are suspended now and haven't been playing. They're not at full yeah, strength. not great but offensively. Offensively, they they really really are, it looks like they're they're struggling with these metrics and um, I don't know it, it's one of those things that you get hyped about a team quickly and you, you think oh this has a potential and then college basketball just like that can can switch it up on you yeah um, there's definitely a theme going around that uh, there's not a clear number one you know no. I think Villanova was it for a while I think yep. people thought Michigan State was for a while because they just took that early loss in the season and then rattled off about 11 in a row but yep. uh it there isn't there yep. isn't one this year which is cool i kind of like that it makes march madness a little easier or yep. i mean a little harder yep um because um, there, there isn't that like you know no. Kentucky or uh, no. UCLA or Duke whatever it is, and staying in the SEC. I mean, yep. with that battle, um, UK, who everyone starts getting a little hype after they they smack Louisville. They start out with wins over Georgia, LSU. 
They lose on the road to Tennessee, which isn't a bad loss. Nope. Tennessee's sitting 16th in the Ken Palm. We've said Rick Barnes has done an unbelievable Crushed job. It. And, I mean, they took us – they had a tough start to see. They played at uh, – they lost to Arkansas and Auburn. But Tennessee's a very good team. I yep. think that's fair. I mean, for – it's not a bad loss for Kentucky. Um, see how they play. They get Texas A&M at home on Tuesday. Um, see how they, they rebound against them. We've um, been saying this all year, but the SEC is real. They are They're the real, real deal. They They're are legit. for real. Um, and, Should uh, we do it? I know we don't do predictions. You want to make a prediction right now? What's right here? Prediction? I'm going to make a prediction. The SEC will have more teams in the Sweet 16 than the ACC. Is that, is that, am I out of my mind? <sighs> am I out of my mind? I'm probably out of I my mean, mind. I mean, ah, yeah. Could be the dumbest thing I've ever said. I, I would honestly know. Or could, Duke could get bounced early because they don't defend and somebody gets hot. I'd put UNC my money yeah. that good. I don't know. I'd put my money on at least a couple of these teams in the Elite Eight. I think wow. like oh, I, see. I, I'm I not think, ready for the elite. Eight. I, I think elite commit. eight. I don't know. Like I think one of these teams. Like they. I think they have the propensity to be upset, but they also have all these teams can. I think can beat anybody in the country. Yeah, when you, when you, I, look, I when you look at it that way. So I, I think the thing that we're gonna see come uh, late February is how beat up these guys are yeah. in conference. Like Auburn beats Arkansas. Like all these guys yeah. are gonna do is just play pinball all yeah. year. You know what I mean? Like I, I who in, in every league really in yeah. every league. It's, and, it's, I mean, it's especially wild. Too, I, obviously the way West Virginia plays and the way they press. I mean. I, you hope that they wouldn't wear down at least at that point in the season. But, I mean, they have stretches. They play Oklahoma again. They have to play um, – or is it, we're going back Big 12. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm, it's throwing me off once again because Kentucky plays West Virginia in yeah. the middle of their season. Yeah, it's weird. In West Virginia, but in the SEC, though, like all these teams are beating up on each other. Like Kentucky ends their season playing like – at Florida, they've got like who knows if now they're saying maybe Michael Porter Jr. could come back by the end of the year. Like SEC's even for do real. That well, yeah, SEC's for real. Yeah. yeah, you could bring him back. Um, and then Auburn, Auburn beat Auburn Arkansas. Beat Arkansas. And um, wild. I saw some. I don't know who it tweeted. I can't give the the shout to whoever said it on uh, on Twitter. I don't remember who it was, but said Bruce Pearl is just pulling the absolute Jim Beheim now in the sense that he goes, you know what. I don't care about any of these allegations. I don't care what you're trying to catch yeah. me for. I'm just going to win, win, <laughs> win, 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 so you can't fire me. I love like, it. And that's what yeah. they've done. That 14 Auburn and is 14 one. and 1. Sneaky, sneaky 14 and 1. Uh, Who knew that? Then they go, they get Mississippi, Mississippi State, Alabama. Like, they're projected to win their next four, so they could Ooh. be solid like 18 and 1. They're only projected to lose like two or three games. Yeah, I'm going to stand by my SEC statement. I'm standing by it. Yeah. In, the, in the Sweet 16, the SEC will have more teams. And the ACC. I got faith in the Big East. And I apologize I mean, for my ACC, voice. I sound but, awful. Um, I mean, that's the SEC. Last thing that, that we would touch on, another big team taking a loss, um, Arizona. Yeah, fresh off everyone getting on. back on track <laughs> with them. Everyone's like, oh, they beat Arizona State. Arizona's got us. They take a loss 80-77 at Colorado. Um, didn't really see that coming. Um, it, it, I, I don't know. I, I think they bounce back easy, but it was weird. The That's question, the, for me, the question going to be moving forward the rest of the season, and, and I don't think it's going to ever change, is just is Parker Jackson Cartwright a point guard that can get you to a Final Four? And until that question, I don't, that question is not going to be answered until you get to the NCAA tournament. Everyone and, knows and so, you win with guard play in the tournament. And they That's obviously what everybody likes to freeze. say. But, I'm, not um, ready, I'm not sure that's right or not. But without further ado... What everyone's been waiting for. What everybody has been waiting for. We're going to give uh, our boy Adam a call. And here we go. Let's do it. Joined by Adam Finkelstein, ESPN uh, college basketball analyst, recruiter, evaluator, also the founder of the New England Recruiting Report. Adam, what is going on? 
not much. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, appreciate you. Appreciate you coming on. Um, first things first. I know you have a podcast of your own, so we want to give you, uh, you know, your due. All of our <laughs> listeners, we want to, to listen to yours as well. Our podcast first, and then listen to Adams. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's that's my that's my typical order. So that's that's fair. There you go. But yeah. So what's what's the deal with the Upside Podcast? Uh, you know, it's it's kind of it's got its roots um, in Cox Sports is a company that uh, I did a lot of work with. Geez, it probably started about five or six years ago. It was a cable network uh, that's actually national, but it, it had a, a branch in, in Rhode Island. And so they used to have me on. Um, they used to have all the Providence College games on. They used to yeah. have me on to kind of do a like a pregame show if they were playing Georgetown back in the day, I'd come on and do like a two minute kind of bit about the Princeton offense or, you know, the Georgetown was running and, you know, obviously mass media, the world is changing. And, and, um, so Cox sports has evolved into this new company called your view. And, um, oh, they asked, asked me if I wanted to kind of do this podcast and it, it didn't really, uh, you know, it wasn't a, a conflict with anything I was doing at ESPN. And so I said, great, let's do it. And uh, so I think we just filmed our, our, or recorded our sixth one, and we're trying to get them out weekly. And, and um, so Jim Calhoun was on last week. That was that was pretty cool. That was exciting for me because I was one of his managers back in the day. Um, and Jeff Goodman, that, I don't think it's not even live yet, but Jeff Goodman just came on from Lithuania. He's over there <laughs> oh following the, the Ball family, so yep. I got him on the phone in Lithuania. So that that's that's this week. So it's it's been fun. It's it's uh, you know I mean it's just a way to kind of get more content out there and explore different mediums, and and uh, it's been fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so. I had a question, but now that you mentioned that Jeff Goodman is in Lithuania, what what that's I I got I got to ask that is he, and I don't know if you can answer this, but is he happy he's there? You know that was actually the the question I asked him because it, <laughs> like I'm not the the Ball family admittedly uh, does not entertain me beyond me the neither. basketball floor. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, you know, I don't watch the the reality series. I I, I think they have one. I'm not. I heard their yep. cameras are, you know, like uh, I find the their business decisions interesting from like the the standpoint of not signing with a sneaker company. You know, I find it to be an interesting case study. But just in general, like the reality TV. You know, I mean, quite honestly, I don't, it, it's not a. Uh, I don't think it's it's giving anything away by saying that if, if people weren't clicking, ESPN wouldn't be printing. Yeah. You know, I mean, no, and, and so it, it just stems from the fact that there's a great public demand for this family, for whatever the reason may be. And I'm not going to speculate on it. And Jeff didn't. But he did talk about like the the behind the scenes workings of how do you end up in Lithuania? You know, is this just, you know, is this a. a is this a, a content stream that Jeff is put it, pushing? And, and the answer is, of course not. Um, yeah. But we yeah. can go yeah. into a lot more detail on the podcast. And it's kind of cool because it gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how things work. And that, and that kind of uh, flows into a bigger conversation just about kind of this, the, the state of the, the college basketball media world and, and um, how it inter- overlaps with, with college coaching and the relationships and how that how that you know, how that impacts some of the news that you see around college basketball. Yeah, no, and I definitely agree with you. I think um, it's fair when people get upset that ESPN 
reports on them all the time. But like you said, they wouldn't do it if there wasn't analytics saying, hey, uh, this week the ball story was our number one most click story again. You know, like there's well, got to be something to it. Yeah, I'll tell you, this is, and this is, this is a quote from Jeff on, on the podcast. He said, um, a story about LeVar Ball gets read more than a story about LeBron James, and that's a fact. That's good. And God. That's, so, again, it's like, you know, is ESPN the root of that? No. You know, I mean, maybe, you know, you can make the argument that, that ESPN, but let's not make like ESPN is the only network that's, that's, no, no, that's yeah. covering it. You of know, course. so is it? Is that the responsibility of the news outlets or is that – but I, I think it's just the reality of like, okay, you know, news outlets have a business model too and clicks sell, you know, they sell – they generate revenue. Yep. And so you've got a, a, a business responsibility as long as it's ethically sound, I think, to, to publish content that, that consumers want to view. And right now a lot of people want to view content about LeVar Ball and his family. Yep. yep. Yeah, no doubt, which is – for better or worse, it's where we're at as a country, I guess. It is, yeah, it <laughs> is probably worse, but that's, you know, but that's and that's just my personal opinion. Like I said, I'm not the one who's clicking it, but yeah. a lot of people are. Yep. Yeah, I know. I wish I could like secretly click and not have anyone yeah. know. You know, yeah. <laughs> like I don't want people to know click. I'm reading it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. All right, so we're gonna put you on the spot. Where is Zion Williamson going? <laughs> that was a quick turn. Uh, well, so the, the caveat here is I don't have any inside information. Um, my educated guess is is uh, Clemson. And okay. um, the reason I say that is I, I just think that um, – and, and I should further preface this by saying, you know, I haven't – I'm not the guy at staff who, who's been working with, with Zion and, and, you know, following this, and I'm not a reporter, and so it's – this is a totally. Uh, this is just a hypothesis, but I see a guy who is has a huge following in his home state, who's has family roots at that school, um, who you know might really uh, you know relish the opportunity to go there and to stay at home and to play in front of this this fan base that that loves him so much. So for that reason. Um, my guess is is Clemson, but you know it's hard to bet against Duke and Kentucky these no, days. No, <laughs> definitely, definitely, and, and that's it's something that I've been following because, especially, I mean, in, in the ACC, and you look at Clemson and you look at what Brad Brownell's done. Um, obviously, they're playing a lot better this year, but is that a type of a commitment that all right, we have this guy in the fold? If that does happen, that even if Clemson tanks down the stretch, that that you think could save his job for another year or uh, just push him, give him a lot more um, stability at least with his athletic director, with uh, the boosters. Just we have this, the number two ranked kid in the country coming in if, if that does happen. Well, I, I think that, again, I'm, I'm going to preface my answer with this, is that I don't think his job should be in jeopardy. I yeah. think that no, – uh, I think we both agree. agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. If you're, if you're working – now, that doesn't mean it isn't. Because obviously this is a you know college basketball coaches get fired all the time that that probably shouldn't in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So having said that, um, I don't know whether his job's in jeopardy or not. Let's the kind of the I think the assumption behind the question is if it is, does this help? And I think sure, of course it does. Um, but the uh, because you know obviously if a player commits to a coach and the coach leaves, there's a really good chance that the player doesn't still go to that school. 
unless the the coaching hire is you know made to um, you know made with that player in mind, which I think is really risky business. So yeah. um, so I don't think his job should be in jeopardy. I think he's done a fantastic job. I think he's someone that that has a history of, of recruiting by the rules, and sometimes that can make it an uphill battle, as, as we've seen yeah. uh, some things come out in, in, in you know recent months. Um, and he's one of the best defensive coaches in the league. But when you have – I tweeted this the other day. Zion Williamson is – whatever you think about him as a player, and there's a fairly wide range of opinions, Very he's so, going to yeah. sell more tickets than any freshman in America next year, bar none. It's not going to be close. 100%. Um, so you can you can get into well who's better is it R J Barrett is it is it Cam Reddish is it Zion Williamson, um, but the debate about who's going to sell more tickets is is kind of just a, a direct correlation to like who gets the most YouTube hits yeah and that's that's Zion all the way no definitely yeah, absolutely. I, um, I so of the of the top 100 of the kids left, not not necessarily who's the best player, um, but who, in your opinion, is the most important player left to the teams recruiting them? Does that make sense? Like, who, who what team desperately needs one of these guys? Oh, okay, interesting. Um, you know, I think that the there is a a narrative that. Um, that if Kentucky, you know, the Kentucky class isn't what people were expecting so far in terms of like the, no, I think they actually have one of their better classes um, because I think they have, you know, guys who are going to be there for two years instead of, instead of one. Um, But if you're under the impression that they're going to lose five or six guys to the NBA draft this year, then they are a school that could theoretically need more guys. Now I'm of the opinion that you're seeing a subtle shift at Kentucky and that, um, you know, everybody's not going to run to the NBA draft. I think they'll still probably have, you know, maybe three guys leave early this mm-hmm. year, um, but that you're going to see a lot more than usual come back. Yeah. And if that's the case, then they really aren't going to need a, a ton next year. Believe it or not, the school that may actually still need guys and need bodies is Duke, especially yeah. Yeah. up front. I mean, when you look at the guys that, that are almost certainly going to leave, yeah. um, their their front court depth could re. Um, and so you know, but the blue bloods have a way of being creative, um, late and, and just being able to pull off things that, that other people wouldn't be able to do. Whether it's uh, convincing a kid to come out early or getting a grad transfer, or you know, I remember when when Kentucky has has gone international in years past with. Um, uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but I think it was Ty, Ty Winward when they needed to solidify their front court depth. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, but Duke is Duke could use another big body for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I worry about Bolden um, transferring too, you know, because he announced last year, then he came back. He's not really playing all that much. I, I worry about that. Although, as I say that, you know, I guess if, you know, obviously Bagley and Carter both go, he'd probably be the starting center. So maybe well, he doesn't. Well, they're both gone. Don't yeah. worry about that. They're, yeah. both, they're, they're both out. They're yeah, both I gone. Mean, they, they got, uh, yeah, I mean, I, Bagley's, Bagley is for sure going, and I, I think Carter is, is a virtual lock as well. Yeah, and this is something, the biggest thing I obviously wanted to, to touch on with you and, and, and bring up Marvin Bagley, I think, leads right into it, is – one of the common themes that we've seen recently in recruiting and in college basketball is just reclassification. Um, and, yep. and, and obviously guys that um, you're anticipating to be in one class that 
Um, whether the timing be whenever it is, um, whether it's a guy like Jonte Porter, whether it's a guy like Bagley, whether it's even uh, a lesser known guy like Marcus Howard, um, let me mention these guys. Oh, it's, Silvio, Silvio D'Souza did it last week. Exactly. Said, you know, I'm, I'm Middle of the season. I'm going to go to Kansas now. Yeah. And how do you see, how is, how do you see How has that come about? And do you think it's, it's good for the game? Do you think it's going to just keep growing or, or what are your kind of thoughts on, on reclassification and the, the point that it's at now? You know, I don't want to – it's one of those things like whether or not it's good for the game, I don't know. I mean, I think that there's – one, it's not for me to say. Two, it almost doesn't matter because it's like it's, – it's just going it, to – it's the way the game's evolving. So yeah. whether or not it's good for the game is almost irrelevant. It's just a matter of like keeping up with the Joneses. And so like to Kansas's credit – They've, they lack front court depth this year. So what do they do? They get one of their high school guys to, yeah. you know, finish his course requirements early. And Silvio D'Souza is a little older than your typical high school senior. So it's, it's not as abnormal. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, the mid-year, mid-year transfer, I, what I can tell you is this, where it becomes problematic for someone in my line of work is in assessing, like, class rankings. Like, yeah. okay, is Silvio D'Souza... Now is he? Does he go back to the class of 2000? We were literally having this conversation the other day. <laughs> well, it's like, okay, do we have to put him in last year's top 100 now? And it's, it's, uh, you yeah. know, and that's it doesn't really matter. But um, you know, it it is representative of the way the game is changing. And I I just think the bottom line is all this stuff is fluid. And the days of it's not it's not four years and out anymore. It's you know, get your mandated cores, get your qualifying test score, and then you can be out at yeah. any point in time. And the other bottom line, and, and I think the most relevant thing, is that there is a big correlation between getting to college and spending a year there so you can be eligible for the NBA draft because the current collective bargaining agreement mandates that you have to be one year removed from your graduating class of high school. Yep. So um, I think that's a big factor in guys trying to get to I know that was a big factor in Marvin Bagley trying to get to college as quick as he can. He's going to get paid. He's going to be a millionaire a year earlier. Of course. There's one, there's a full year of uh, less likelihood that he tears his ACL or God forbid has some kind of horrible injury. Yeah. Um, and, and just look at Harry Giles. Exactly. That, he took it right out of my a, mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very relevant thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, how do you stand on the the topic of rankings and especially how things are now compared to even ten years ago? Um, how has ranking? How have you seen anyway? Uh, rankings affect a player's mentality. Like if they get that number one spot, maybe positively or negatively. Um, or like, have you ever been approached by a player who's like ninety seven and he says, "Yo, Adam, I'm not ninety seven. I'm fifty. Like, like has that ever? Like how how has that changed has players' mentality? Yeah, yeah, like every day. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, literally, I think it just happened in the gym I was just in. Um, <laughs> they just come up yeah, to you and it's, say it. It's very, you know, it's it's one of those things. Here, here's my. <laughs> It's kind of hard because uh, one of the things that I, I like most about our ESPN setup is the guys on our team are all, are all former college coaches. And, yeah. you know, it starts with Paul Biancardi, who's, who's you know, been – he was a Division One head coach. He was an assistant coach at the very highest levels at Ohio State and Boston College in, in some of their glory days. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I think that, that we are – we come at it from a coaching perspective – Yet there is this, and I'm going to use the word again, there's this narrative out there that coaches like to kind of perpetuate 
that they don't care about rankings. And kind of the thing that, that people don't recognize is um, rankings come in, you know, rankings are, are very similar to a kid's level of recruitment. So I always laugh at like the thing, well, you know, the rankings had this guy ranked here, so they they missed him. Okay, well, so did Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, and everyone else who didn't offer him a scholarship, <laughs> you know? So if I'm stupid, so is Coach K, Bill Self, and John Calipari. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that, that kind of always gets lost in the storytelling from people who are trying to perpetuate a certain narrative. Um, that having been said, I do think there is, from a, you know, the purity of the game, in my point of view, is about the kind of the S is about winning, you know, and, and getting five guys to buy into to something bigger than themselves. So in a lot of ways, um, rankings, which are obviously very individual based, are can be counterproductive to that. And so one of the things and I've, I've tweeted this a couple of times that when you have guys who are former coaches doing the evaluating, that inevitably it's going to be the kids who worry less about their rankings who go up more in the rankings because the more selfish you play and the more you start to demonstrate some of those, those negative characteristics, uh, the less impressed we are, we're going to be. Um, and, and obviously there's, you know, there, there's kind of an arc in terms of physical potential and upside and stuff like that. I mean, you know, if Marvin Bagley's a little selfish, then, you know, I'd be a little bit more willing to live with that than I would the, uh, you know, the kid at the local low major school, obviously. But, um, you know, to be totally transparent, that was a concern with Trey Young. I mean, I don't think people really want to come out and say that. They've said, well, the evaluation was based on his body type and his size. And, and, well, here's the other thing. It was also based on the fact that Trey Young didn't really like to pass to Michael Porter, who was the best (laughs) player in high school basketball last year. Seriously. Um, and so, I mean, that was, you know, and, and Trey, Trey Young, who's, who is, you know, if it was the best freshman in college basketball this year, he may not be the best prospect, but he was very concerned about his ranking last year. That's a fact. Yeah. Wow. Um, I see that. And, and so I think, you know, Paul says something, he says it in jest, like the only person who's not, um, who, who's not upset about their ranking is the kid who's number one. And that's that's really the truth. Everybody thinks they should be higher, and that's fine. I mean, it, it plays into the. I think that's a that's a healthy thing. It's just about how you go about it. But generally speaking, I think the kids who worry less about their rankings, as I said, are, are going to be the ones that that end up um, having the most success, and as a consequence, rise in the rankings. For sure, for sure. And obviously, now I, I know. I mean, looking at things. You obviously have um, your, your top 100 for the 2018 class. Um, you have the, the ESPN, uh, the, the 60 for the 19 class, and then obviously um, the ranking start right now for the class of 2020. What would you consider, um, or what, at least in your mind, I don't know if you have a set um, age or a set time point. What, how young would you say is too young to rank a kid? Well, that's another uh, positive thing for me about ESPN is we don't rank freshmen and yep. we only rank 25 sophomores. Yep. And, you know, I think the interesting thing and, and my counter argument for everybody who says, you know, rankings are, are worthless is that a lot of the kids, you will see very few five-star kids, or if you were to look at the percentage of, of kids who graduate high school as a five-star kid who don't play in the NBA, um, it, it's pretty small. And that 
the people who do the rankings, I think from a statistical standpoint and a historical standpoint, there's there's not many things that work out more consistency than a late bloomer, a yeah. guy like Anthony Davis, who really yeah. was unknown until he was a senior in high school or the summer before. Those guys who come on strong at the end have a really good chance historically of, of making it. You know, you can you can even point to like a Kawhi Leonard or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so when we kind of send these guys off to the next level, I think we recognize, or at least I, I can only speak for myself, that there are going to be guys who continue to emerge. Um, and the earlier you go, the more you're going to miss. So if you, because guys are just going to continue to emerge, that's a part of it. You know, I mean, uh, so if you, if you do, um, you know, so we start in the sophomore class and we'll come up with 25 names. Now those 25 names more often than not are going to be guys who have the tools that are already evident to succeed at the highest levels. Yep. That's not to say that there aren't going to be just as many, if not more who emerge in the next year, two, three, four or five. Yeah. Um, it's just, those are the guys at that point in time who are already showing those signs. And one of the things that's very hard to do is to be at the top early and stay at the top. Uh, but to answer your question, what's too early? Um, you know, I, I think some people do. I, I personally don't condone middle school rankings. I'm glad we don't do ninth grade rankings. Yep. And the biggest reason for that is because I think, you know, I, I just talked about um, the accuracy of a late bloomer. Well, one of Fool's gold is an early bloomer, the kid who's bigger, yep. stronger at an early age, but may not have another inch left in them and has to totally rediscover their game over their high school career. So that kid may be, you know, for example, a dominant six foot five big man as an eighth grader. And so somebody's going to tell him he's a top 10 player in the country. Well, what are the psychological ramifications of that kid four years later? when he feels like he's a disappointment for no reason other than the fact that he stopped growing, yeah. you know, and now, you know, and, and I don't think that's fair to that kid. And I've seen situations like that happen um, too often. When we start as sophomores and we're only picking 25 guys out, you're not seeing any early bloomers on that list. You're seeing guys who, who are, yes, they're productive now, but they're already showing, uh, attributes that are going to translate long term and so that's why i'm glad we start as sophomores and we only start with 25 because if we were forced to do more than that you'd you, you know you'd, you'd be looking into you'd be forced to kind of go into guys who who may not have the same upside and and we're going to struggle to live up to those expectations yeah no i definitely agree um all right last question and uh, we'll get you out of here i know you had a crazy uh, crazy sunday um, you know, for myself, I was only, I was only in this crazy business for a couple years, but, uh, my first, you know, couple road trips, uh, of recruiting, I, I started to catch on to something that I, I really didn't know and no one can tell you or prepare you for it, but it's this notion that, um, you know, I, I would see a kid, uh, I'd really like him. I'd, I'd, I'd go on Twitter first and then I'd go on Instagram and then I'd go, uh, I'd Google them. And, and if I didn't find anything, um, and I came back to either my head coach or an assistant, uh, and said, Hey, I got this kid, uh, Paul O'Connor, he's 60, whatever it is. There was this, I did that kid can play. 
Yeah, like, like can can that kid play? And and the first question always from the head coach that I've that I, I only worked for four, but it was always this: who else offered? And I was always yeah. I was always confused by that. I was like, well, who cares? Because honestly, if no one offered, we're in a really good spot right now. And you hired me to find kids, and if you trust in my in in what I'm doing, then we just found one. And so right. I learned that quick. I learned okay, well, if I'm recruiting a kid, and then I look at a list, and he's got eight D two offers, I'm gonna get either laughed out of the office, or I'm gonna get screamed out of the office. Um, right. And so there's like I don't I'm not ready to call it insecurity, but it's almost this thing where they feel safer saying okay uh east tennessee uh south carolina middle tennessee all offered so let's go hard at them versus like right. a couple d2s it's like well what the hell are we doing and he may be well, better yeah I, I think there's two ways to look at that one is i think you know the process of doing your due diligence is really important so who else is recruiting him let's say um you know if people are recruiting him from a higher level and and it's it's legitimate, which just because it's on the internet, this is a whole nother <laughs> issue, but just because it's on the internet or because somebody tweeted it doesn't mean it's legitimate. Um, that was probably the most popular article I ever wrote for ESPN was on, on what is a scholarship offer and just how, oh, yeah. uh, you know, how, how not tangible they are. Um, <laughs> yep. But I, I think doing your due diligence is important because you don't want to waste time. And if it's a kid you can't get, then there's no point in, in doing it. I, I think the, you know, that perception of like, well, if he's so good, why isn't he, um, you know, why isn't he anybody else recruiting him? Um, and I think you're hundred percent right. There's a ton of people who look at it like that. And I think that, that, you know, that is a mistake um, more often than not. And in fact, some of the best, especially at the low to mid major level, um, because that's the place where I think there are still some surprises and where I think the fit to the style of play can be really important. Totally. Agree. And totally there's, agree. there's a couple places just in the Northeast that I think are great examples of that. Like Mount St. Mary's, Jamie and Christian, uh, he could care less what anybody else thinks about a kid. And if he thinks he's, he's, um, he's a fit. And if he thinks he's going to be a fit a year or two down the road, this is what most impresses me. He'll take a guy, and then say, okay, I can fix his body in a year or two, and with a different body, he's going to be able to help me win a Division One game. And that's so often the difference between like a low major recruit and a Division Three recruit is you know the physical tools. Yeah. And the the other school I would mention in that is Iona, and you know they've had guys from AJ English to Cedric Casimir who have you know, so one good. Mac uh, player of the year, Mac rookie of the year. Yep. And they were their only division one scholarship offer. So I think, you know, like people see some of their high major transfers, whether it's guys like, uh, you know, Jordan Washington or, or yep. whoever the case may be, who, who had really high levels of recruitment, but just as important to their success has been, you know, those other guys that, that, um, you know, were, were not just under the radar, but were really good fits for their style of play. And I, I think that's the p- part, that's the part of the eval that, that, um, you know, I, I think, I think people can miss on, especially if you have like a distinct style of play, you need to re- recruit a distinct style of player and somebody who's going to be at his best in your situation. And, and, you know, I often tell people like, you know, the, the other side of that is you'll see the coach who comes back and says, you know, like, oh, look how good he was. He would have been great for us. That's not necessarily the case, you know? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Once, 
a kid who's great at, at, at you know Iona might not be any might not be as good of a fit in a slower tempo. A kid who's great at Mount St. Mary's might not be as good of a fit, uh, you know, at somebody else in the league. Yeah. You know, Robert Morris. Maybe the kid who goes to Robert Morris is better suited for them than, than Mount St. Mary's. And I, I think that's more common than people think. I, I don't think it's like, you know, the kid who's a, a uh, you know, an, an impact player in a one-bid league is an, impact one, uh, is an impact player wherever he goes. I mean, certainly he could be. But I also think the fit is, is really, really important. Yeah. yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, and on that, we'll let you go, man. That Listen, this was, uh, I think we've said this a couple, only maybe two or three times. We've only got nine episodes, but this was definitely our best episode. My God, that was, uh, that was awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on. That was, it was big time. And, um, you know, we'll try and have you on a couple times throughout the year and catch up on recruiting. And then, uh, and everyone else, make sure to go check out the Upside Podcast. Yep, it's on SoundCloud and iTunes. Or just SoundCloud? Uh, yeah, it is on it is on um, iTunes. Yeah, it's the Upside Podcast by Your View. I think is the the full. It's amazing that I figured out how to record the thing. So getting <laughs> it in the iTunes store is, is not is not my specialty, but it is in there. I know awesome. that. Awesome. Nice. Well, I appreciate it, Adam. We will. Uh, we like to to keep in touch and, and uh, really do appreciate for you sure. coming on with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Adam. Have a good one, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. All right, and that was Adam Finkelstein. Amazing interview. Awesome um, stuff. Yeah, big shout-out to, to you, Adam, for coming on, man. That was great. Um, everybody is going to love that. That was, that was big-time big time stuff. Wealth of knowledge of, yeah. the, uh, of the recruiting and landscape. Just, yeah, he just knows his shit. Um, all right, real quick, and we'll get out of here. Uh, an incident with TV Ted. Now, if you do not know who TV Ted is, uh, he Notorious. is... Yeah, he is a notorious and infamous ref uh, for, I don't think he's ever done NBA, but um, college basketball. Uh, his name's Ted Valentine, and he's been refing for, I mean, 25, 30 years, forever. Yeah. Um, and he just has, basically, the long story short, he... <laughs> He's automated, uh, yeah. to, for, to, to put it lightly. The spotlight is on him. He wants the spotlight to be on him. Yeah. I mean, if and you're a ref and you have a nickname, that's already a problem. And then, two, for it to be TV Ted, like, you know, he gets up for the big games. He's, like, demonstrative with all of his calls. Yeah. Like he's, the like the Gus, he's like block. the Gus Johnson of, like, refereeing. He is. That's, like, a per- that's it. That's where we're stopping the explanation. He's the Gus Johnson of referees. So, anyway, there was another incident with him. Uh, in the UNC game, yep. uh, Joel Berry uh, gets held, and you clearly see it when there's a replay. He gets held running for the ball. That's why it soars over him. It goes out of bounds. He simply grabs the ball, walks up to him. He's not loud. He's not yelling. He's not doing anything. He's just trying to explain to him, hey, man, like, look, I got held right there. Just, like, look for it. You know, whatever he was trying to say. TV Ted literally turned around like a kid who's, like, like mad at his mom. Like, turned around in the middle of the game, refused to talk to him until Joel Berry had to put the ball down. And then he, and then he had to pick it back up and go. I mean, it was, like, the most childish shit I've ever seen. Um... Really, the, whole, the only point of us bringing this up is because I hate TB10. I hate everything about him. Um, and people are, like, trying to, like, come to his defense randomly when, like... Oh, we can't mo- lose. We can't lose We TV can Ted. definitely lose TB10. There's plenty of better... Ref- I can go get a better ref in the uh, JCC Manhattan League right now than TB10. Um, 
So I, I, I just can't stand the guy, really. That was like the entire point of me bringing it up. Do you have anything else to add? I mean, <laughs> the only thing, if you watch the video, if you pull this up now and look at it, like I think his – I don't know if he originally intended – to just like turn his back. I think he was just trying to walk away. The problem was he was on the baseline yeah, and like, he turns around and like the Florida State cheerleaders or dance team are there on the floor. Staring so at he him. had nowhere else to walk. Yeah. So he just stood there. He like stayed like a statue, just crossed his arms. And I mean, Joel Berry is probably like five, six feet away from him and just like, Listen, man, the best refs, they right. have conversations with you. They talk to you. They listen to you. Now, if you're and out you of see, hand yeah. and you're crazy, yeah, maybe you get attacked, whatever it is, but like, that like the guy's not even doing anything. Joel Berry's literally just trying to like state his case. Yep. I'm defending a Carolina basketball player right now. Think yeah. about how far I'm over the edge. Dude, same I mean, here, bro. It, it's wild. And, and even you look at the highest level, say the, in the NBA. Yeah. Those highest level officials. So many times you see a guy, Chris Paul, James Harden, LeBron James. No matter who it is, they'll come. They say they'll be shooting at the free throw line. You'll see that ref will stand there next to them. They'll probably put their hand over their mouth. Yep. Um, just so it's not on um, on camera. Yeah. But they'll explain, and you'll see them, and and. I think there's a level of respect that comes with that from the players. And obviously, Joel Berry, it's not like Joel Berry is some like new kid on the block. Yeah, like, man, like, like, I'm sure on. TV Ted has probably plenty repped plenty of times yes. with Joel Berry. I mean, um, so it, it's weird to see. I mean, ACC refs, these guys, I'm, I'm not down with a few. It used to be uh, um, a, a very big topic of discussion in my household on which refs. We're refing uh, Virginia Duke games and Virginia North Carolina games, but um, TV Ted, um, I, I'm I'm cool if he gets canceled. I'm, yep. I'm cool. I'm Let's cool. Let's cancel it. TV um, Ted. That is the green light official <laughs> stance. Let's cancel TV Ted. Last segment, um, obviously something we've been Give doing for a while. I can't even tell you how many uh, how many we've given out now, but. We have a new award winner, um, and it's the first time repeat school, uh, which is kind of crazy when you think about the premise of the award. The time, the, the premise of the award is just getting, putting up shots, having yep. the ultimate green light. And if you have two guys on a team that are worthy of this award, you're either winning or, or losing a lot of games. You, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and they're know. and they're in the mix. They, I mean, this team, um, get out of the way, is Marquette, um, and straight out of the Big East. Obviously, we already had uh, Andrew Rousey winning our very first one. Come they're on the al- podcast, Andrew. They're eleven and five, um, so they are have, have been up and down. But um, this week's winner for episode ten, um, none other than Marcus Howard, uh, Marquette, who not only tied he tied the Big East conference record for most points in a conference game um, against Providence Wednesday night. Uh, so obviously, this is a kid. He's already, he's averaging on the he season. He tied it with Marshawn Brooks, didn't he? I think so. It yeah. might have been he was, but he's averaging twenty three and a half points a game. Um, he's shooting his percentages um, on the season, shooting forty percent from three, forty seven percent from the field, uh, sixty five of one sixty two. So he's already shot twelve more threes this year than he did all of last season. Um, but he's also a perfect fifty one of fifty one from the free throw line, which is the most impressive stat. Last year he shot. 56 for 63, which in itself is a great year. He's already 51 for 51. Exactly. It's unbelievable. And, um, but the big stat line, obviously what wins him this award, is actually two stat lines, but the biggest one from the Providence game, yes, it did go into overtime, but I'm pretty sure he already had like 45 at regulation. Um, he finished with 52 points on 17 of 29 shooting, 11 of 19 from three. 11 of 19 from three, and then seven of seven from the line. Follows that up. They played at Villanova yesterday, lost by 10, uh, not a bad loss, obviously, um, but he played, uh, followed that up with 37 points, 
uh, 13 of 27 from the field, 5 of 13 from 3, 6 of 6 from the line. So in his, his past two games, he's got 89 points. He's hit 16 threes. Um, and uh, very, very worthy of this week's Green Light Player of the Week. Uh, puts himself into the discussion as well. I don't know if he, he's dethroned Andrew Rousey for possible Green Light Player know. of the Year title because th- those yet. guys both heave. It remains um, to be seen. But Wojo has got those guys cooking. Cooking. Um, absolute green light for both of those. So shout out to you, Marcus Howard. Um, and fun fact, as we mentioned before, Marcus Howard is only 18 years old and is actually six months younger than Trey Young. Another so he, green light. <laughs> green light player, player of the week. week. So yep. played last year as a 17-year-old freshman. Now is torching dudes as an 18-year-old sophomore um, in the Big East nonetheless. So uh, shout to you, Marcus Howard. Um, um, actually, I just remember this. So I uh, called my uncle, one of our award-winning listeners, uh, okay. and he – you know how on uh, PTI they do the corrections at the end? Mike yep. Wilbon and – and yeah, 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 they do the corrections. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, you got to do that because you messed up. I said, oh, shit, what did we mess up on? Uh-oh. He goes, DePaul's new gymnasium is not on their campus. And we were out here saying, yo, it's on their campus. It's awesome. We were like, yeah, no, boy. He's like, yo, it's met. So shout out to my Uncle Jim who so called us. He said, no, it's not on their campus. But they ha- the so new can- one's not? No, they still so have to travel. They still, the have, to still travel? have to travel. That's what he said. Oh, my God. So we're taking his word for it. I don't know. Oh, somebody, boy. somebody, so, a DePaul fan's got to call us, man. DePaul Are there DePaul fans out there? There's got to be. I mean, give us a ring. Dave Lato. Um, but yeah, he was so like, hey, much. yeah, he's like, you guys are roaring, man. I'm going to hit up old, old Dave. Thanks for listening to all our episodes. If he listens at this point, you know, seriously. Big time. But, correction yeah, time. Correction. So <laughs> call us, call us out. I know yeah, it made seriously. plenty of mistakes. I already, I already called myself out. I already said big, uh, WVU was in the big, uh, the SEC like Honestly, twice this podcast. It's so hard to keep track so, of it. So there we go. Keep us straight. But this has been episode 10. Um, awesome, awesome episode. Really appreciate you guys listen, listening. Um, hopefully have some other big-time guests lined Another up big time guest very, this very week. soon. Um, but we will keep it rocking for you guys. Keep pumping out content and keep enjoying this one hell of a college basketball season. Until then, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at, at GreenLightPod1. Um, follow us on Instagram at the green light pod yep correct yes, sir. um and uh we will see you guys next week with uh, another episode of uh of glorious content that's it keep Adios. the ball bouncing see Deuces. You. lately i've been feeling like this is what i've been working towards if you ain't trying to be the boss and tell me what you're working for certain doors are closed but now they opening up celebrating with some shots maybe poke on a cup pull slush rustles up next and i got this crazy like britney and the love so toxic got a wall up i'm trying to infiltrate a conscious taking 12 shots like where the cops is come on